So our title for today is How God Moves Us From Despair to Hope. How God Moves Us From Despair to Hope. And I think we see that in this psalm. This psalm is one of the psalms of lament, they call them. And it begins in despair. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. But it ends with hope. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. And a lot of life is like that. A lot of situations in life are like that. We go from despair to hope with God. And God takes us there. Even if sometimes he doesn't fix the issue, fix the problem, he's still able to take us in a spiritual sense from our despair to a place of hope. We see this again and again. We get hope from God, even when it doesn't appear to be reasonable or to expect it. And, there, and it's God. And, and one of the things you might like to do just as an idea is uh, the Lord, the word Lord appears in this psalm eight times in eight verses. And so it might be interesting to do your own Bible study on what you learn about the Lord from the references in this psalm. What does it t- tell you about his nature, his character? But that's something for your own personal Bible study if you'd be interested in that. The psalm basically falls into two halves, verses one to four and then five to the end. The first part is about how God God can handle our despair. He can handle our despair. If he's going to take us from hope to despair, he's got to be able to handle our own despair. So what do we see the psalmist doing at the very beginning? At the beginning, he's being honest about his need and about where he's at. He says, out of the depths I cry to you. Now, the word depths there connects with the sea uh, in Hebrew thought. And the sea is a symbol of chaos. And so what he's saying there is, I am feeling like my life is chaotic. It is messed up. The bottom has fallen out of my life. And who amongst us has not felt that? at least once, if not many times in life. Maybe you're feeling it now. I hope that's not your experience. But even if it is your experience right now, God can handle it. The psalmist is honest. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to my cry for mercy. He's being honest in that he knows he needs mercy. He needs God's help. And of course, Bill, I'm sure, is praying this kind of prayer right now. And we pray this for him, to support him. The word cry here, there's a, there are different words for cry in uh, Hebrew. And there's the word of cry, which is just a shout. But this word cry is more about uh, speaking something with the expectation of a response. So it's like the kind of thing where you, you shout to somebody or call to somebody because you know they will respond to you. And so even in his despair, the psalmist is expressing that he has hope of a response and because he knows who God is. So this is what we've got. And we, we do need God's help. I mean, we need God's help a lot. Um, whether you're in despair over the consequences of COVID or whether you're in despair over the, the struggle to, uh, to deal with racism that you experience or you see around you or that we seem to have embedded in our society and around the world, or whether it's about modern day slavery or whether you're in despair about issues in your own life, your own health or your family or... It's a very common experience, something we all can understand. One of the things we learn about God is that he is concerned about and interested in our despair, in our trials and in our troubles. Otherwise, why would he have sent Jesus to us in the first place? wouldn't make any sense. He really cares. He's really interested. He understands and he wants to be in it with us. God's not distant looking at our problems saying, well, I might tinker with that and fiddle with that at a distance. He's right there in the middle of it with us. And we know that because of that, then our suffering and our challenges have a purpose. They have a purpose beyond their immediate challenge. For example, in Romans chapter 5, I'll read for us 
in Romans 5 verses 1 to 5 it says therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us you see how intimately God is involved in our challenges in the suffering that produces the character that we need and leads us to hope and this psalm is all about hope but hope is meaningless unless there's been suffering there's nothing to hope for it's something that God does which is a little mysterious but very powerful and helps us to mature and so the psalmist is honest about his needs he expresses his needs his need for mercy in specifically in this context and because it talks about redemption later in verse 8 and in verse 7 uh, it appears and verse 4 it talks about forgiveness it appears that part of the problem for the psalmist is that he has been in sin part of the reason he needs mercy and he's crying for help because of his despair is because of sin that's involved him and one of the things about sin I mean sin's never good right I think we can agree on that sin's never good but as a friend of mine once said no sin is good but if you do sin don't waste it by which he meant firstly learn from it but secondly take it to God be honest with God repent I think uh, Kate you used the word repent in your prayer there are times of repentance and when we repent then we get to experience this wonderful redemption this forgiveness the unfailing love the full redemption that he talks about here and as it says in Acts 319 we get that refreshment that comes from repentance it's a wonderful thing and sometimes in life the reason we don't feel refreshed in our spiritual life is because we've forgotten how to repent or forgotten or not noticed that we need to or perhaps kind of wished that we didn't have to and repentance is not one of those heavy things I mean it's serious but it's not heavy it's just our opportunity to turn around our thinking and our way of life such that God is then able to refresh us and that's I think what he's wanting here in Romans 6 verse 20 it says when you were slaves to sin you were free from the control of righteousness what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of those things result in death what's the point holding on to the stuff that causes our despair when life is offered freely by God it's an awesome it's an awesome proposition that we have this available so we have this honesty we have this expression we have this honesty I think about sin and then we have the transition verse in the psalm verse 4 he says but and that, that word is very important right but with you there is forgiveness we can't stand in our own in our own righteousness but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you so there's a purpose to the prayer and the forgiveness there's a uh, the honesty and the forgiveness are motivational so that we can serve you so when we understand who God is and we understand our sin and we understand his loving mercy that causes us to have what you might call auto reverence how do we grow in our reverence of God part of it is about our honesty taking it to God letting him forgive us and then finding the gratitude that comes from that that enables us to serve him effectively 
I appreciate Sarah responding to me when I wrote uh, a, a, po- a point about this somewhere online and about how when we really understand who we're with, it's kind of automatic that we we act in a reverent way. Sarah pointed out something she'd read somewhere about celebrities standing in a line waiting to be greeted by the Queen and deciding they didn't need to bow or curtsy. It's the 20, 21st century or after all. And how as you hand down the line, all those people who decided in advance not to bow or curtsy found themselves bowing and curtsying automatically as soon as the queen uh, greeted them. And there's something about really coming into the presence of God with honesty that helps us to properly reverence him and have the right kind of awe for him. And then we find ourselves able to serve him. One of the reasons we sometimes don't serve God in the way we could is because we've lost our sense of reverence. And part of that is because we may be not being honest with God about what's going on in our own lives. And that's sad because we lose the energy and we lose the ability to serve God and make a difference in this world. So that's what we're seeing here. Uh, In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15, it says this. He died for all, talking about Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 15. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again so our goal as people who follow God is to is to serve is to serve him but we serve with joy when we've understood who God is so the first thing we see in the psalm the first half of it is that God can handle our despair we just need to get honest the second thing we see in the psalm is that God's help is worth waiting for so the second half in verse 5, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. So it's, it's like a whole body experience here of waiting, anticipating, hoping for. And he says, in his word I put my hope, which I think is about the Bible, but more than that, it's about God's trustworthy nature. I, I can trust him. So I put my hope in his word. He keeps his word. And in verse 6, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. It repeats it twice. So you've got this image of a, um, you know, an ancient city with walls around it. Sometimes those walls would be very powerfully constructed. Sometimes they'd just be the outside walls of, of dwellings that were sort of put together in a circle with a little wall on top. And you've got these watchmen waiting there in the dark, uh, no searchlights, no uh, night vision goggles, uh, no lighting of any kind, um, peering into the darkness keeping watch in case enemies are approaching. And of course, you wouldn't see them in the dark of the uh, those days when there's no ambient light and, um, um, and problems with all that extra light we have around us. It's a very anxious time. And you don't know if the next moment you're going to get um, a, a, a sword uh, uh, chopping your head off or an arrow uh, in, in your chest. I mean, you just really don't know moment to moment what's going to happen. So you can imagine if you were a watchman standing through the night on the walls, You're very eager for morning to come. You're waiting for the first glimmer of light as the sun begins to rise over the horizon. You're looking for that. You really want it. He says, that's how I am with God. That's how I am with you, Lord, because I know you're coming. Just like I know the sun is coming. I know you are coming. And I'm waiting anxiously for it. I'm waiting eagerly for it. Oh, come on, God, come. I I know you're coming. And the thing is, the night is long sometimes in our lives, right? The nighttime where we're waiting for something does seem rather long and it can be hard to wait that long. But we wait with expectation. We don't wait in fear. We don't wait in hopelessness. We don't have to wait with anxiety. We can wait in hope, knowing he's coming. It says in Psalm 5, verse 
worth memorizing, I would say. One of those that you kind of want to carry with you uh, uh, regarding our relationship with God and prayer in particular. In uh, Psalm 5, hear my cry for help, verse 2, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly, Psalm 5. That's the kind of praying. That's the kind of attitude. God cares, therefore we wait faithfully. Really um, really happy for, for Stefan that he got a new job. Uh, confirmed, I think, was it this this last week? That's that's great. You know, they've been waiting to to figure out a new job. Really encouraging to see that. And uh, I guess we're still praying, Osagi, for you to find some new work. Is that right? Are you still looking for a new contract? Is that right? Yep. Okay. So praying expectantly, waiting and hoping expectantly. God sorts things out at the right time. It's not always our time, but we can expect him to act as we work patiently, faithfully with him in prayer towards whatever he has in mind for us. And so we wait with joy. One of the blessings of the Christian life, but it's a challenge too, is that we wait with joy instead of anxiety. The kind of waiting I think he's talking about here is the waiting like an engaged couple waiting for the wedding day. Like they're looking forward to it. It's a joyful waiting. Or those we got young children here. I wonder what you, it's like when you're waiting for your birthday, when it's a week before, and then it's six days, and it's five days, and it's four days, and the countdown on the day, on the night before, you know, and trying to get children to sleep on the night before their birthday or Christmas Eve is jolly hard work. Some of us, I know, basically give up. I can't blame you. It is that, but that kind of joyful, excited waiting is, I think, what he's talking about here. God's going to show up. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait eagerly, expectantly. I wish it would come sooner, but I know it's going to come. The right day, the right time is going to come. This time this year was the right time for Simon to be restored to the faith. Simon, love you, man. Um, I guess you're happy about yesterday's result against Man City, it's being a gooner. Uh, let's see what happens this afternoon. I mean, it was many years of you attending church and many of us being friends for a long time before you, you came to the right time to be restored to the faith. And it doesn't, doesn't matter how long it takes. It's okay. And I appreciate Patricia's patience of waiting, right? And, uh, and thinking about Jane being baptized on, on Friday. Jane and Kate, you've known each other for uh, I think at least 10 years, right? Or you've been doing Bible studies, I think, for about 10 years off and on. That's a decade. That's quite a long time. It is quite a long time, but does it matter how long it is? I don't know. It's God's timing. And I just would like to encourage us to think about the things that we hope for, the things that we're waiting for, that we allow God to have his timing, and that we, in the meantime, wait patiently, eagerly, prayerfully, laying our requests before God faithfully. Because in the end, in verse 7, the psalmist, we, it seems, gets this assurance. He begins in despair, crying out. Then he prays. He's honest about his sins. And then he remembers that there is forgiveness. And he remembers that the point of it is that then he can serve. And then he reflects on the fact that the way he waits is the right kind of waiting. Waiting with his whole being. Waiting for the Lord. 
And in verse 7, it's like he then turns to address the rest of his pilgrim group, the rest of Israel, because we turn from I to Israel in verse 7. Israel, because I now know this, because I've been refreshed in this, because I've been reminded of this about God and my experience. Israel, not just me, but us, we together. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. Come on, let's put our hope in the Lord, everybody. Put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, his hesed, his unfailing love. With him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. He himself will redeem Watford from all its sins or Chesham or wherever. He is going to redeem from all their, all our sins. That's who he is. And so we have this hope that we can then proclaim to other people. There is hope for you because we have this wonderful God. So I'm going to stop what I'm sharing now and then put us into some breakout rooms so as we can have some conversations about uh, what this is saying to us. What emerges, I don't have a big question. I would just say what emerges for us from this conversation. One of the phrases I really like in the psalm is in verse 3, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? <laughs> who could stand? We don't have any right to stand before God. But because of what Jesus has done, we can stand confidently before God. And communion reminds us of that. When Stephen is martyred in Acts chapter 7, he has a vision as he's being stoned verses 55 and 56 he looks up to heaven he saw the glory uh, of God and Jesus standing he sees this vision of Jesus standing at the right hand of God I see the heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God and the reason he's standing people speculate I think it's probably right is firstly it's about victory but secondly it's about welcoming Stephen saying, Stephen, I'm standing for you. I'm acknowledging your faith. So I'm standing to let you know I'm soon going to welcome you here. Jesus stands because we can't really in our sinful selves. But because of what he's done, we stand with him in his standing with God. Hebrews 4.16 Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So as we take bread and wine, in one sense what we're doing is we're reminding ourselves that Jesus stands there for us, interceding for us, and he stands ready to give us what we need. And we wait expectantly and hopefully for that, but he stands ready, and in particular he stands ready always to provide the forgiveness that we need, which we need so desperately. And he gives that liberally and kindly and faithfully and without, without, without any sense of uh, reluctance. He's eager to do that for us. So we're going to take bread and wine. And then we're going to sing, uh, firstly, the song, There is a Redeemer, which contains the verse about us standing in glory in verse 3. And our final song is also about the way that Jesus stands for us. So we'll come to that a bit later. But let's pray together.